Okay. We're, we're in this series on the church. You know, last week we talked about what, what is the church, what is church, and Drew kind of set that up. We interviewed a couple um, adults in our community that, that live here and that are plugged into a church that have um, grown closer to Christ because of being a part of the church. They, they talked a little bit about some of the, the challenges and some of the rewards, some of the things that, that God's really helped them with and, and, and um, helped them grow in their faith in. Um, and then Drew did a really good job of kind of helping us understand what, like, what is this thing called church? And so if you, if you weren't here last week, definitely check it out. This week we're, we're talking through, like, why, why church? Why is it important for you to go to church? And so, you know, as we were talking about that, we, we thought we'd love to have a couple students up just to share from their experience of, of how they view, like, how do, how do college students think about church? And, and what is going through their mind? Like, you know, when, when, they, when, they, when students come here and they go to church, what, what's going through their mind? Or are they even looking for church? Or do they think it's even important? Or things like that. So I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask them. And then one of these questions, I can tell you which one, but one of these questions I'm going to have you guys um, talk through uh, kind of amongst yourselves for a few minutes when we're done. But So... So a student, not to you guys, a student um, comes to college, and maybe maybe it's their first year here, maybe it's maybe it's uh, after a semester or two, and and they realize they need to start like being plugged into a church. Why do you think like what what are students looking for? They wake up on a Sunday morning, and they go, okay, I'm going to go to church. Um, what is it they're looking for? You think in a church? Um. I think one of the biggest, um, and this is this is actually probably not um, exclusive to the church, but people want to be in a part of a community or a group where they know people, um, and and people know them. And like by know, I mean like what's going on in each other's lives, like who who you really are, uh, and that I think is kind of a fundamental. Uh, need that we have and so um, you could you can try to um, fill that need like not exclusively through church um, through any group um, on campus or or Greek life or whatever but I think it is also a, a really big reason that people want to be plugged into a church especially if you've grown up in church going to church um, you you want to surround yourself with people who um, have the same morals as you, things like that, um, but at, in the end, you want people to know you, and you want to be able to know people. Yeah, um, and I think in a town like Stillwater, with so many options, um, what's going to get someone in the door with busy schedules is time, so just having like a variety of times is probably something that's attractional, um, especially the first time that you're going to visit somewhere. If they have a service that's maybe a little bit later in the morning, it's probably going to get you in the door. And then I think a lot of students, if they're being honest, want to be entertained, whether it's through music or a pastor who's engaging or um, whatever. They're not going to come back somewhere where they haven't felt um, 
included in the service, but also um, that they weren't falling asleep. And so if you go somewhere and super boring, and that's probably how you're going to judge it, especially if it's your first time and you're probably going to move on um, to somewhere else the next week. And so I think that we're definitely looking for convenience and entertainment, whether we want to admit that or not. Hmm. But. Yeah. I think, you know, you can't, you can't, like, ignore the cultural aspect, like, especially, I, I mentioned, like, if you grew up going to church, I mean, that's how I was, um, where it's, it's, it's kind of just what you do, and so, uh, in some sense, you, you are going to church to, uh, satisfy the, uh, the lifestyle that you grew up in, or uh, maybe what your parents expect of you. Um, was it Stephen that was here? Was his name? Uh, Spencer. 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 He, uh, he said something similar to that. It was like, you know, I I went to church because like I wanted to be able to tell my parents that I that I went to church, and so I think that is something that's common to a lot of students as well. Yeah. So you guys came, you came to OSU, and did you? Did you find a church right away? Did you plug in? Was there a process for you guys? Um, for me, I went to like a few different college ministries the first few nights that I was here because like late at night, for some reason, everyone's handing out donuts and having carnivals and volleyball whenever you first move in to the freshman dorms. And so I went to a few different places where I like knew people from high school and then I went to Eagle Heights um, my first Sunday, and it was awesome, and I loved it, but I didn't, like, meet anyone, and so then I, like, tried a few different ones, and then um, after I came to the table, um, so I, like, kind of church hopped a little bit just to, like, find where I felt best, and I knew someone from the table, and so I felt plugged in at Sunnybrook, so Sunnybrook is where I landed, but it was definitely a process of, like, figuring out where I felt like I belonged a little bit. And honestly, for me, um, I was seeking more than what I had in high school. So I knew that spiritual growth was like a goal for me. And so I saw it somewhere that taught the Bible. So I think that we carry around like these expectations of what we're looking for. And that was definitely something that was on my radar. So So you you connected to the table Mm -hmm. first before... Before Sunnybrook, okay. So, it's funny. I so I said this whole thing before about like people want to know it. So coming into college, my siblings had been here, and at the time, my oldest sister was here going to the table, and so I'm actually maybe gonna recommend against what I did. But so I came, I started off straight at the table and straight at Sunnybrook, and I actually never <laughs> went anywhere else, but it was because I knew people, and, um, you know, it wasn't just Abby, like, she was introducing me to people, so very quickly, I was in a community where people knew what was, was going on in my life, and so that's, uh, that's why I stuck pretty quickly. So how long have you been here? Three years. And you? Three, yeah. Okay. Um, so what, how would you say, you know, what are some things, specific things that students benefit from connecting to a church? And so speak from experience. Like what, how have you benefited from connecting to a, not just the, not, not just the campus ministry, but a church? 
Well, uh, we we've talked about this before, but um, connection to older believers has, is huge, and it's been huge in my life. And so I think there, um, that's yeah, that's one of the biggest um, is whenever you have reached a level of vulnerability um, with your peers, and then also with older people. Um, then those people have the ability to speak into your life. Um, and uh, maybe it's correction, or maybe it's encouragement, um, or maybe it's just truth. You're, you have a question that you're wrestling with about Scripture. Whatever it is, um, whenever you have that, that is a different level than just coming on a Sunday morning, um, which isn't bad, um, I would I would say, um, you know, you're still being exposed to truth, but being in those relationships offers you um, the opportunity um, to both give and receive um, different things in, you know, some of the hardest moments of your life or um, some of the best moments of your life as well. Yeah, I think for me, um, at home, I don't necessarily have, like, a good example of what it looks to be a godly parent or um, to give generously or any of those things that like being connected to older believers in the church um, teaches you and I think that um, it's been really valuable for me to seek that out here and to um, just be accepted into other people's families which meant being really vulnerable at times and just like letting people know um, my struggles and where I was at and who I was and then also um, I think that being involved in a church like allows you to serve with the gifts that God has given you and to um, develop those, especially like at bigger churches in town. You have the opportunity to work with kids or to um, serve by running the slideshow or doing anything like with the worship ministry. And so just having those different opportunities that you can serve where you are already gifted has been really valuable to me. It's funny, I was just thinking, like, in, it's really easy to be, like, very isolated demographically, I think, in, in college. Like, I remember when I was living on campus, um, I'm not sure if it's, like, the professor's kids or whatever that they take care of, but one time they were, like, on library lawn, I was like, what are they doing here? Like, I hadn't seen a little kid. Kids. Yeah, a little, I hadn't seen a little kid in, like, the longest time. And so, but, like, being, yeah. Uh, but like being in a church, like you, you kind of are around the full gamut of of ages. Um, yeah, just, that's true, and you get you get to be reminded of like what old people. That's kind of, you know what it looks yeah. like for an older person to come to church, or young families to, or even you know the youth group. Um, so if if you guys have experienced these things, um, why, why would you say? That, because this is this is something that ever since I've been doing this, I've I've heard this thing that, you know, I don't really need to I don't really need to go to church in order to be a Christian. I can kind of do that on my own or whatever. So why would you say somebody who is professes to be a Christian, a student who professes to be a Christian, why would they not connect to a church? What are some reasons why they don't connect? Yeah. Um. I feel like a lot of people, from what I've heard, feel like college is just four years. Especially, even I just became a member at Sunnybrook a couple weeks ago, just because 
Um, I felt like that wasn't important because I don't know what I can give to this establishment that I'm temporarily a part of. But I think that um, a lot of people don't want to invest that much in their time here because they're afraid of what they'll lose whenever they leave. But I think that they um, miss out on a lot of opportunities to grow and a lot of time that can be spent in ministry and serving well in the place that God has them. And so I think a lot of people just like view their time here as a time to have fun. And then in four years, whenever I get married and have a kid, church is something that will be a part of my life again, um, because I want my kid to have what I did whenever I grew up. And so I think that a lot of people just see it as like a temporary um, fun time of their life to do whatever they want and live selfishly. And then after this four years, they'll come back to the church. And um, I don't know if that's always how it works. But, nope. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just hard, I think, to build lasting or deep connections with people. And it takes a lot of... of work and time and energy and especially when you are a freshman and you're like there's just like a ton of new that's consuming a lot um, and you're like trying to figure out if this is like a quality person to be around and um, you like do things with different people and some relationships relationships stick and and some don't and so it's just like it's a very uh, energy and time consuming process and it it's hard, like I, I said, you know, it's very rewarding when you get to this point of like, yeah, I can just come up and talk to you about whatever's happening in my life, but um, it's pretty hard to get to that moment. It takes a lot of effort, um, but um, like I've just, I, so I, my freshman year, um, like I kind of had a, a traumatic experience and I was like, I have to tell someone um, and ended up talking to Scott and that was like, the, like, switch flip, you know, in our, like, re like everything kind of changed with how I approached our relationship, and so um, that doesn't necessarily have to happen for people, but um, I would just say, like, it, it's hard Can to get to that. Can we talk about it? No. <laughs> we can't talk about it. It's traumatic. <laughs> traumatic. Um, but, I, you know, I think there's, I think those are also very good reasons. I think there's also... Um, reasons of like, uh, okay, so you, you move here and then your family is still wanting you to come back and come home, right? How many of you have parents who are like, when are you going to come see me? How come you never come home anymore, right? So you have this pressure. You, you have all these pressures. You're coming. You're, this is a whole new season of life. There's a lot to figure out here, you know, not to mention school. Okay, let's just put school aside, which is a big thing. And, but all the relationships and all the connections you're trying to figure out and make. And then you have this pressure back home with parents telling you, how come you never come home to see you? Or anybody else in your hometown that's wanting you to come back to see them. And so there's all these reasons to be gone on a weekend. And I wonder if that plays into it, you know. And, um, and just, just walking into a building and somebody hands you a bulletin and you have a seat and then when it's done, you get up and walk out. Like if no one stops you and says, hey, who are you and how long have you been coming here? And, you know, what's going on? Like, are you are you connected somewhere? What are you doing for lunch? I mean, like if, 
if those things don't happen, then it's really easy, especially for some of those of us who might be more introverted to to just walk in and walk out and go, yeah, I, I, mean, I go there, but I don't, I don't ever feel connected, right? So there, there can be a lot of different reasons why we, and it's then, and then when that happens, it's really easy to miss. If it's just a, if it's just a service you go to, I could listen to something online, right? I could, I could do those kinds of things. So, how long do you, would you say it takes like to get connected? Like, do you think that is variable or? Yeah. So I. Mm, if somebody comes, if somebody comes their freshman year with the intention of connecting to a ministry, I would say most it takes most of the first semester for them to actually connect and feel connected. And even then, sometimes I'm amazed at students that I see here almost every week that can feel like, ah, I haven't really, I don't really feel connected. I'm like, you've been coming every week for the last month and a half. What do you mean you don't feel connected? Well, that that I that feeling of connection is something that Nobody can do for you. I mean, they can help you in a lot of ways, feel that way. Um, but it's, it's just, it's kind of a, it's, there's no, like, formula for it, right? So part of it is on you to stay, to, to keep coming, and part of it is on others to make you feel welcome and, you know, want to get to know you and all those things. So there's a lot of factors there. Um, but so, yeah, so a person who's really wanting it, it, it takes a while, let alone a person who's kind of like, oh, no, that's cool. Um, um, but I don't need it. I've got a lot going on, right? And then it can just push it, push it back. So, so here's a question to ask it, you know, each other. Um, what, what, for you, what have you, what have you benefited from, or have you experienced any benefits from just connecting to a church? Not necessarily a campus ministry, but, um, but like a church, what, what kinds of things have you received from that? What kinds of things have you benefited from? So take a few minutes, a couple of minutes to talk around, talk about it with people around you. Dear God, I pray tonight that your spirit would move in here. I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, I pray for the students in this room specifically that you would, um, in these last few weeks, call them to, uh, to finish strong, not just in school, but in, in community and in loving one another um, and in caring for each other. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, protect them from the attacks of the evil one, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in their hearts and in this ministry as it is in heaven. I ask you that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, so the question we're answering tonight, uh, is why church? So last week was, what is the church? This week is why church? Next week is how to church? How do you church? Um, but tonight is why, um, why does it matter whether or not we are involved in the church? This is actually in truth a question, you know, what we like to do here at the table is we like to take a text and walk through it exegetically, verse by verse. I can't really do that very well for this, uh, for this theme or this topic. And the reason why is because this is a question that never really gets answered in the Bible. Why church? Why be involved in church? Never directly, at least. Um, and, and the reason that this question is never really directly answered is because from what we can tell, um, by and large, this question was, was not asked. 
Um, this wasn't something that people wondered. Why should I be involved in church? This, this wasn't really in their minds. I don't think they knew of another option. This is just kind of what you do a little bit. Now, we do have uh, one case in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 is the closest you'll see to a command for you to be in church, to, to go to church, if you will. Um, it's, uh, the writer says this, um, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer says, let us consider how we can spur one another on, love each other, and let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. So apparently there are some people who who are beginning to kind of neglect the coming together as a body, as a church. But but rarely is this issue brought up or thought through in the New Testament. It's just kind of um, what they did. It's just kind of how how it worked for them. That's what they knew. So the question, why church? Really the answer to this question um, comes more from last week's message, uh, which is what is the church? And uh, we said that uh, the reason why you want to be involved in church is because it is God's. Um, We we defined it last week. It is God's people. It is uh, God's family. It is Christ's bride. It is the Holy Spirit's temple. It is the body of Christ. It is all these things. And because of this, we said that it is, the church is historically, the most significant, important thing on the face of the planet. From the, from the day of creation when God first spun everything into action and into orbit until this time there has been no greater, more important institution, organization, thing than the church. And that's why church. That's why we want to be involved in church. That's where the main answer comes from. That's why we want to, as we say, make life in the body of Christ a priority. That's this commitment to community uh, that we, we have as one of our main values at the table, to make life in the body of Christ a priority. So that's kind of the main why. Tonight, though, I, I want to kind of drill down uh, on this idea a bit more with, with a few more kind of specific questions. To deal with, and, and kind of like you just did, I want to give you a chance to kind of think through them and process them yourself. So I'm going to ask you uh, these questions, and, and I'll let you kind of turn to the group around you and answer. And, and uh, no pressure, don't feel weird if your answer is uh, I don't know. It's it's okay to say I don't know if you just I really don't know the answer to that question. Uh, don't feel like everyone's got to give an answer, but I'd love for you to discuss this. So uh, first question should come up here on the screen. Do we got it? Yes. All right. Um, Agree or disagree, you can be a Christian without being involved in church. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? And then why or why not? Uh, for whatever answer you give, I agree with it because of this. Well, what is that? I disagree because, well, why is that? So take a few minutes, talk about that in your group. Agree or disagree with that statement?
All right, take about 30 more seconds, wrap up whatever you got there. Okay, back here, um, so story, uh, back in my home church that I grew up in, uh, there was a very kind man, still there today, very kind and friendly man by the name of Larry, Larry Beatty, and uh, Larry Beatty was basically kind of the unofficial, but basically as official as it gets, uh, greeter at our church. He stood there every Sunday. I don't think it was one of those things that ever got asked. I don't even know if we had early on a greeting team. He just kind of took it upon himself that every Sunday morning, he stood there at the front door and opened it for whoever came in and shook their hands and greeted them and welcomed them to Boulevard that morning, Boulevard, the name of our church. And so I uh, welcomed them there. And it was just kind of, uh, that was like what you expected when you went there. It felt like your, your time at church was not even like complete unless you got to shake Larry's hand going through. That was just part of it. Um, but there was this weird thing, um, and that is that uh, Larry did not have uh, a ring finger on his shaking hand, uh, at least down to the first knuckle. It had been completely uh, severed and down to the first knuckle. So uh, every time Larry shook your hand, you felt this little like nub rub against <laughs> your palm. Um, and, and so it was this weird kind of, it was kind of a, I don't know, there's something, he's super warm and friendly, but something about the handshake was felt kind of slightly creepy, you know? Um, 
especially like if you didn't know that he had a severed finger and you just felt something rub along your palm as you uh, shook this guy's hand going in there. It was an odd feeling every time, every time you went in there to, to shake his hand, even though it's kind of like, ah, this is Larry, I love him, this is great. It's still, especially like if you're a visitor, that's a slightly weird thing. Um, so the story apparently goes that this happened while he and his sons were using a log splitter one day out at their property, and uh, I don't know exactly how it worked, but his son was on one end of it, the trigger end, the firing end, whatever you want to say, and I guess there was like adjusting something on there, and his son like set it off and just like cut it off right there, um, right down to that first knuckle. So, a scientific slash philosophical question for you. Uh, in, that, uh, in that moment there when Larry's finger goes flying off and lands on the uh, grass there in his yard, uh, is that finger a part of Larry's body? So that's, that's an interesting question, right? Because technically, technically the answer is yes. Technically that finger belongs to Larry, right? Uh, technically, like, by definition, by definition, a finger is a body part. And so it doesn't have to be, like, attached necessarily to be a body part. It is a body part. But um, is that the most natural position for a finger to be in? Is, is that healthy for it? Can, can that finger do anything that a finger is supposed to do? Can it, can it hold something or grab something or... or uh, I'm about to say point to something. It technically can still point. Uh, just, just only one, just only one, one way. Um, but it can't, it can't press any buttons. It can't do anything like that. All right. So it's, it's still a body part, but it is not able to like do what it's supposed to do. There's nothing that is right about it. Listen, um, you are saved and adopted into um, God's family. Uh, not by anything you have done. It is simply by grace. Uh, it is by the blood of Jesus Christ spilt for you that makes you what you are. And, and so uh, when you have placed your faith in Jesus, when you have confessed Him as Lord, when you have identified yourself with Him through baptism, you are by definition a part of the body of Christ. Um, and there's nothing that you do to earn your way into that, like going to church. But um, if a person is cut off from the church, from Christ's body, is that natural? Is that healthy? Um, can that person do anything that a Christian is supposed to do? Can that person, like a finger that sits on the ground disconnected from the breast of the body, can that person survive as a body part or does it soon die off? That, that's the way that I think this question is answered, is it is we are part of the body of Christ and these things work in this exact way. Christianity is not an individual faith journey. You were not baptized into a personal relationship with Jesus. You weren't saved into a personal relationship with Jesus. You were baptized into His church. And that's not like me going, I think theologically that seems to make sense. That's literally from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. 
Paul says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. We were all baptized into one church. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. You were baptized into, Paul says, the church. Now wait a second, I thought we were baptized into Christ. Yes, and you cannot be baptized into Christ without being baptized into his church. Being baptized into Christ means you are into his body. That you were a part of those two things go together. This is how Tim Keller one time I saw somebody ask him this question on Twitter. Can I be a Christian without being a part of the church? This is how Tim Keller answers that question. He said, you can be regenerated, that is born again, made new, saved. You can be regenerated and living apart from the church disobediently. But you cannot live the Christian life without being a part of the church. You cannot do that. And at some point, I think the question has to be asked, if you are not living the Christian life, are you Christian? And I'm not talking about perfect attendance. You know that, right? I hope you know that. I'm not talking about, sure, there are people um, who become Christians in unreached uh, nations where there is no other believer yet, where there is no Christian. I get it. I'm not talking about people who for physical or mental Um, conditions, um, have difficulty being at church maybe for a period of time. I'm not talking about them, but but when a person deliberately chooses to cut themselves off from the body of Christ, deliberately chooses to neglect, when a person says things like, "I, I love Jesus, I'm just not really into church. Me and Jesus, we got kind of our own thing. Biblically, that's not a true statement. It can't work together that way. So, second question then. If it is true that we're supposed to be a part of a church as Christians, that that is part of it, what qualifies something as church? What makes it church? So, kind of, let me rephrase it. If I'm supposed to be a part of a church, does that mean going to a building with a steeple every Sunday? Or can that be like... Um, engaging in Christian things, prayer and worship and Bible study with my Christian friends in my house, my roommates? Um, Can a campus ministry like this be my church? Uh, uh, Can I? We live in a day and age where you have more access to, you you can probably have access to better preaching and teaching and better worship um, online through the internet, through various teachers and churches than you may be able to access in your town. Can that be your church? What makes something a church, what qualifies it as church? Take a few minutes and discuss that.
Right, 30 second warning. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me take a shot at this. I don't know how. Uh, how difficult or easy that was. There could be all kinds of things that come to mind. We go, what, what makes something a church? Uh, and the truth is there are like hundreds of things that ought to be taking place in a church. But the question is, what things, if they're not there, mean it's no longer a church? What things are essential for it to be a church? Biblically and historically, I don't know if this is the full list, but biblically and historically, I would say that there are at least four things that must be present in order for something to actually be a church. Uh, the first is this, the teaching of the Word. Uh, we see this from the very beginning. When the church gathers together, they gather together uh, for, to dev- and devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. There is instruction in the Word, and it kind of uh, should be implied in there, at least, teaching with accuracy. So it's, it's not people sitting down and reading the Bible and then discussing, hey, what do you think? What do you think? This is what I think. It's, it's someone has some level of knowledge. Someone knows the Word enough to be able to teach on it, to be able to speak on it, and not just an uh, exchange of ideas over those things. Uh, the second is this, qualified leadership. That historically, biblically, the church has always had qualified leadership. This is why Paul, whenever he goes and he plants a church somewhere, whenever he goes and shares the gospel, he does not share the gospel, and a bunch of people get converted, and he goes, good, all right, we're done here, now I can move on to the next place. No, his practice, if you read through the book of Acts, if you look at his epistles, his practice is always either he himself stays until he has established elders and leaders over the church, 
or he leaves somebody behind to do that. Uh, the First and Second Timothy and Titus are known as the pastoral epistles, and they specifically deal with this, the leadership in the church and who ought to be there. And this is what he says in the first few verses of Titus. He tells Titus, The reason why I left you in Crete, Titus, is so that you might put what remained in order. That is, we've got a bunch of believers, sweet, but what I need you to do is put what remains in order. I need you to appoint elders over every town, is what he says. That is why you are there, because the work is not done. This is not church until there are elders overseeing this thing, qualified leaders. And that includes, qualified leaders are there um, uh, to do things like church discipline, to confront sin to deal with it, to do pastoral care for members, um, making sure they're doing okay, making sure they're continuing to grow, discipling them, uh, safeguarding doctrine. There must be qualified elders there who can, who can say this is truth and we don't move away from this. And when someone starts to teach something that deviates from that, they correct that. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, so doing those kind of ma major things is, is why qualified leadership is supposed to be there. Here's the third thing that always seems to, to be taking place, and this is sort of generic, but fellowship. Uh, that is that actual people are together in relationship with one another, relating to each other, praying for each other. We see that happening a lot in Acts. Caring for one another's needs. Um, building friendships, there's, there's actual eating meals together, fellowship, there is life-on-life -life discipleship um, and community taking place within the, uh, this church. And then the fourth thing is this, rightly administered sacraments, uh, which I know is not necessarily self-explanatory right out of the gate, uh, but sacraments are specific uh, church practices that have been instituted by Jesus for us to follow as a church. Specifically, the Catholic Church, I think, has seven. Uh, we, we follow two. The Protestant Church believes in two. Uh, that is baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion or those things. So people are being baptized in the name of Jesus and the fellowship of believers is practicing the Lord's Supper together. Those four things have always seemed to be present in anything that is a church. So for this reason, when you run through this list of stuff, can my small group, can, can me and my roommates getting together and praying and singing songs and, and reading the Bible together, can, can that be my church? No. There is not qualified leadership. You might have somebody teaching. It's more than likely probably discussing those kinds of things. And, and you may or may not be able to practice the sacraments there in those kinds of settings. But there's, there's not qualified leadership. There's not an eldership overseeing that. Um, my Bible study with my small group, same things. Uh, a campus ministry, no. We, we don't have elders in this church. Uh, we don't practice the regular observance of the Lord's Supper together in this place. Uh, and so it cannot be that thing. Also, I would, I would kind of add on this, so these aren't like essential for church, but the church is designed, it says in Ephesians, to display the manifold wisdom of God, the diversity of all those called in to be His body. And so when you limit church down to like a particular one single age group, 
um, then it loses something. Or when it's small and limited to a specific like gift set, God designed it for it to be many gifts and many backgrounds and many ages and, and all of those different generations and, and uh, stages of life, those kinds of things. And so I do not believe college ministry. There are uh, some college ministries in the association that I'm a part of that I admire and that are doing really good things. Um, and they do their own church service on campus every week. And I do not like that. I don't, I don't see that biblically where that matches up with Scripture. Um, and, and, of course, this means also uh, online church, the idea of watching something online or going to it. It, it does not, that, that is not biblically church. Now, all of those things that I just mentioned can be a part of church, can be an important part of church. So um, you ought to be meeting with people and doing Bible studies. You ought to be uh, meeting together and praying. You ought to be in a campus ministry, all those things. That's an important aspect of your church life, but it cannot be the whole of your church. It, it biblically does not fit in those categories. Uh, last November, I saw a tweet from a really famous pastor, a guy that, from, from what I know, seems like a good dude and, and a guy who who has a pretty cool ministry and some really great stuff. Who, uh, and the tweet said, I'm always being asked, when are you guys going to open a campus in my town? When are you going to open a church up in one of your churches in Dallas or in Memphis or in where I am? And, and his tweet said, great news, we're opening one there tomorrow. And then it said, the location, the phone in the palm of your hand. And, and it was this big announcement about how they're doing this new app this new church app where you can online be, uh, you can go to church, you can watch the service. They even have a lobby in the app where you can meet people and, and talk with people and pray and those kinds of things together. And, and, and the heart is cool, all right? Uh, I appreciate trying to get it out to as many people as possible. But if I said to you, hey, really great news, um, I just built a four-bedroom home for you and your family to live in. The location, the phone in the palm of your hand. Um, you would go, that's, I, I can't, that's ridiculous, I can't, you can, you can talk about it, I can't actually live in a phone, and I would say, yes, that is so true, and you cannot actually do church in a phone. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, like I said, it can be a part of, but it is not the whole. Um, when I was, uh, the summer after my freshman year, I went to Thailand, and I was there for a month, and, and while I was there in Thailand, I just happened to be there over the 4th of July. And on the 4th of July, we were in Chiang Mai, and there was an American embassy in Chiang Mai. And the American embassy put out a like, citywide invitation for any American citizens in the city of Chiang Mai that they could come to the embassy, to the grounds there that day, and celebrate 4th of July there. And that they were going to have this kind of big like cookout picnic thing and do like the whole 4th of July thing, hot dogs and hamburgers and fireworks and sparklers and all that stuff. And they were going to have, this is like for, for missionaries who were living there, this was like a really cool thing because they were going to have a lot of these American things that you can't get like in Thailand, like uh, Dr. Pepper and root beer and that kind of stuff. Like, and so people were like, these like missionaries were like amped about this thing. So we went and it was this really cool thing that we got to experience there. Um, kind of a bizarre thing where I am literally on the other side of the world. And at the same time, I am celebrating the 4th of July in America. I, I'm celebrating 4th of July like on American soil on the other side of the world from it, which is 
cool and which is crazy now i i could have i could have not gone to the embassy that night and i could have still i don't know if i'd have been allowed to just light fireworks in somebody's front yard or something that probably wouldn't have worked i could have had a sparkler right i could have hung out with other americans there that night i could have i could have grilled hot dogs i could have done a lot of american things a lot of very patriotic type things but uh, the only way that i'm actually a part of america on that night is by standing on american soil with people there in the embassy um the Bible talks about Christians, actually the First Peter 2 passage that we read last week. If you go just a couple verses down from where we ended, uh, Peter calls Christians sojourners and exiles. That is immigrants. That is the, the country you live in is not your own. Um, and Paul will say in Philippians 3, the reason why is because as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. And so um, we spend our lives living uh, in a foreign land, in a land that is not our home. The local church, though, actually is, operates much like an embassy or an outpost for our true nation, for our true home. And that is where our citizenship is located, um, in heaven, with Christ. And so um, I can do all kinds of cool Christian things. I can do all kinds of churchy things. I can do all that stuff. But um, to be a part of God's people involves being a part of the local church, going to the embassy. Now, don't get too caught up with that because I'm not talking about you have to go within the four walls of a church building. You know that, right? We're not talking about church buildings. I'm talking about being involved and integrated into the life of a local body. That's what matters. Um, last question. Give you a few minutes on this. Does church membership matter? So, if we are all a part of the universal body of Christ, if we are one body on some deep spiritual level, then why should we even care about something as formal as membership? Um, doesn't that even uh, almost stifle the organic relational community that should be church? Does that not almost counteract what the church is supposed to be about when we make it about membership? That kind of question. So, um, does formal church membership matter? Does it matter if you actually place your membership at a local church? Talk about that for a couple minutes, and, and then we'll chat.
All right, 30 seconds. Okay, uh, church membership is an odd thing. There are a number of people who will question whether this is even biblical, and it's, it's worth asking that question. Where in the Bible do we find anywhere any mention of church membership? Where do we find in, in the book of Acts where they've got member roles um, uh, or in any of the epistles? Where does that even take place? And some um, would argue that this idea of church membership is more harmful even than helpful. Uh, that there are people who aren't even really involved much in their church but consider themselves good because they're a member there. Or, or feel like they, they ought to have more say in the way things go or they ought to be catered to more because they're a member there. And, and while it's, uh, th- those things are true, uh, that, that sometimes membership has become an unhealthy thing in, uh, in the life of the church, perhaps maybe in America mostly, um, it's also true that you will not find the phrase church membership in the New Testament anywhere. Um, member of a church, those kinds of things. It's, it's not there in the New Testament. Um, but I believe actually that the concept is there. Uh, I believe that the idea is actually there in the New Testament. Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about how you deal with sin in a brother or sister, how you ought to work through that as Christians. And, and the process, Jesus says, is this. You go to that brother or that sister and you confront them in their sin. And he says, and if they repent then you've won them back and great, everything's good. But he says, but if they don't, then you go find one or two other believers so it's not just your word against theirs and and you bring the three of you to them and you talk to them and you confront them in their sin. And if they repent, wonderful, then you've won them back. But if not, he says, he uses this phrase, go tell it to the church. Now, that phrase means nothing if there is no formal idea there, if church is just, you know, Christians getting together, because if that's the case, you've already told it to the church. When you went and got the other two friends, that was telling it to the church. No, when he says tell the church, he means something um, more concrete than just other Christians. He means something more institutional, I believe, than just other. He means like the leaders of the formal body that is the church. Um, and, and, with that in mind, I think he's talking about the, the church that they are a part of, that this person is a part of, that they're dealing with. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, a, a similar church discipline passage where Paul says that you ought to expel the immoral brother from among you. Uh, means nothing if there is no actual thing, concrete thing that he's a part of. What are you expelling him from? What are you pushing him out from unless he is like a member of something that he can then be removed from? Um, as I mentioned in Titus, he says that when I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town. Um, in, the church, in the New Testament, we see the church counting 
it counts like the people who come in, the converts. Um, we see them keeping track of people who are in there. Like it knows what widows belong in like the Jewish category and what widows are like um, in the more uh, like Gentile category um, or the Greek-speaking Jewish category. It knows who's getting fed and who's not. It's got some level, some kind of list to where it's keeping track of those things. It sets up positions of authority and, and teaching and leadership within the church. The early church is not afraid of formality and of institutions like many of us are today. Um, another embassy story, back to this idea of embassy. There's a guy by the name of Jonathan Lehman. Um, he's, he's a writer and he works for a ministry called Nine Marks. And Lehman tells a story of when he was studying abroad in Belgium during his years in college and his passport got stolen, and he lost his passport, and, and his time was coming back to go home, so he had to go get a passport. So what he did is he went to the embassy, applied, showed them, showed them the proof that he did have of his American citizenship, so that that embassy could then declare, yes, you are a citizen. You, are, you belong to our country. You are in a part of it, and so we will issue you a passport. Now, they didn't make him a citizen in that moment. They didn't decide or declare him to be a citizen. No, they just, they announced, they made clear what was already true, that he was a citizen of America and did those things. Um, a church, a local church has a ton of responsibilities. There are a ton of things that ought to be going on in a church. Um, a church ought to be training its people. It ought to be teaching. It ought to be confronting. It ought to be disciplining. It ought to be caring for physical needs. It ought to be praying for people. Um, but the question is, how do the people in that church know who they're responsible for? Guarantee you right now, there is a Christian brother of mine in Tulsa who is living in unrepentant sin, uh, choosing to leave his wife this week. Is it my responsibility? I, I don't know anybody by name, but I can, I can promise you that that's got to be happening right now, that there's a brother living in unrepentant sin. Is it my responsibility to go deal with that, to rebuke him and confront him? Um, there is probably a sister in need in Sydney, Australia right now who has physical needs that is part of the body of Christ that I am a part of. Am I responsible to go help that sister in Christ? So to some degree, I, I always have responsibility to any brother or sister, but it is not my responsibility to go find those things out. When Paul pl tells uh, Titus to plant elders, to put elders in each town, um, is, is the elder of this town over here responsible for people that are living in this town over here? No, no. The only way to know who you're responsible for is when people come and say, I'm in here. Call it whatever you want. I, I am a church member. I submit to this leadership. I am a part of this. The way we know who we're responsible to is when people come together and they are willing to say, yes, I will be a member of this body. I will be a part of this. And, and whatever you want to do, a show of hands, signing on a dotted line, going before the church and announcing this thing, I think that it's important, and I think that it matters when I commit myself to a specific group of people to know them and serve them, to submit to the leadership that God has placed over them. That's what makes community in the Christian life possible. It doesn't stifle community. It doesn't make it less relational. It actually gives it the ability to function and to take place. When I spend my time church hopping around from one church together, because, you know, we're all one big universal church, I never allow those things to happen. 
I never allow someone to know me enough to speak truth to me or for me to know them enough to serve them. Paul says this in Romans 12, 5. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That means this. Your Christian life does not belong to you. Your Christian life belongs to Jesus and to other Christians. It belongs to the church. But the beautiful thing is that everyone else in your church, their Christian life doesn't belong to them either. It belongs to Jesus and it belongs to you. They're there for you. Why would I not want to be a part of this? Why would I not want to sign on the dotted line for this? There are some people who feel like marriage, the institution of marriage, ruins real romantic love. Um, my question is, like, why would you not want the wedding ring? Why would you not want to say, I do, if you love this person? Why would you not want to formally commit yourself to this person for life together? And the same is true for the bride of Christ and the family that we are invited to be a part of. Um, this is why we want you to make life in the body of Christ a priority. And this is what we mean by that, that you find a local body and that you involve yourself in it, that you voluntarily choose to submit yourself to it, that you make yourself a member of it, or whatever they may call uh, that thing. I don't care the, the language of it, but that you belong to this body here and serve yourself in it. Because, um, and I hope you get this, when we say why church, the answer isn't you should feel guilty if you don't. The answer is why not? Uh, like why, why wouldn't you want this? Yes, sometimes relationships are messy. I guarantee you there are people in this room who have experienced it in church, who have experienced the messiness of family within the church walls. And, and part of, part of there's some of you who go, why would I want to put myself through that again? I, I get it. I get it. There are flawed and messed up people. But um, yes, it can be messy. It can also be beautiful and it can be life-giving, and it can be joy-filled when we each do our parts to build the body up in love, as Ephesians 4 says. That's what we want for you here in college, um, this summer, wherever you end up in your internship or back home or doing whatever else, and from here on out when you go, that you would commit yourself to the body because it matters, because it's uh, Christ's, and because it's the only way to live out the Christian life. So let me pray for you, and we'll be done. Dear God, I simply pray this, that you would help each and every one of us to grow in love for your church, that we would love her as you love her. You loved her enough to die for her. Help us to love her in that same way. And I pray for those who, um, who have experienced hurt at the hands of the church, that you would help them to experience healing and that you would give them hope and that you would give them the courage and the conviction to pursue life in your body again. I ask you that in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you got questions, if you're trying to sort through what does this look like for me, what does this look like for family members, theologically there's still some questions I have about this, um, come talk to us about this. We would love to, love to help you work through some of these things. And a great way to fellowship in the life of the church tomorrow, for those of you who are part of Sunnybrook, um, is to come to the Good Friday service uh, tomorrow there, 6 o'clock. Um, we'd love to have you there and join with everybody in that. All right, see you there.